Before we get started, have you gotten my free resource, 10 Quick Tips to Calm the Chaos When You're Feeling Overwhelmed? Go to the success.life forward slash free resource. This ebook has 10 quick strategies you can implement right away to help calm you down and tame the chaos even in the midst of your challenges. Go to the success.life forward slash free resource. Welcome to the Intentional Leadership Podcast. I'm really excited for today's episode where we're going to talk about legacy. When's the last time you've thought about your own legacy, that impact that you want to leave on the world? And how about that legacy that you've received? All of us have received a legacy from our parents, from past generations, from mentors in our life. Well, today I have a very special interview planned where I sit down with my dad on his 91st birthday for a fireside chat and we talk about the importance of legacy and what it meant for him to be an entrepreneur and looking back on his own life and the impact that he's had on me and so many others in his life. I look forward to having you join us and soak in these words of wisdom. Welcome to the Intentional Leadership Podcast. This podcast will help you break through the barriers holding you back from the true life of significance you are meant to live. I'm your host, Janelle Bruland, and I invite you to join me each month as I share leadership lessons and specific strategies to transform your leadership, crush your goals, and love your life. As a high-achieving entrepreneur, there was a time when I was overwhelmed doing all of the things and found myself overworked and overcommitted. Through the power of intention, I learned how to shift my mindset and create success habits to achieve a healthy work-life balance and true joy in my life. Now I'm here to help you do the same. Don't just be the CEO of your business, be the CEO of your life. Let's get started. Well, thank you, Dad, for agreeing to sit down with me for a little while. And um, one of the things that I talk about a lot to, to my success community is the importance of having mentors in our lives. And you have been such a mentor in my life, especially because you were an entrepreneur and I didn't realize until I grew up and was running a business of my own how much responsibility that you had as an entrepreneur. And I'd love to ask you about your ability to keep a really healthy work-life balance, which, which you did. I mean, the dairy farm was a 24-7 operation, and you could have easily worked all the time and missed our events as kids, missed dinners, but yet you didn't. And so I, I want to ask you, how, how was that for you that you were able to keep that balance? I, I don't know if I ever thought a whole lot about it, but it, like I said, my parents, who weren't very rich at the time, nobody was in those days, they always had, they always took us to birthday parties and, you know, things like that. And, and Vancouver or to the, to the PE. I don't know if they ever took the PE, but to the Stanley Park. Okay. And and even in, in in those days we did a lot of that so when it when it came to family uh that was just just part of my discipline or, or bringing up. Mm. And uh, I always of course I enjoyed to go places. <laughs> and uh mom probably not as much as I did but I think she always enjoyed it when she got there. So we did a lot of things. Yes. As, as far as you know a lot of sports like playing fast pitch well the boys always went with us and uh, they pick up bottle caps and whatever, and I'd play. I'd play fast pitch. I was about fifty years old, 
I don't know if you girls ever came to that or not. Was I done with that one? I you think you were. I think pretty you were much done, done with that, that by that yeah. time. That you'd come to our softball games and would help us with that. Yeah, I, ball. I, I tried to get to most games uh, as far as yeah. I could. Uh, that was just just part of me, I guess. That's wonderful. Yeah. Good. Well, how um, how did you find the time for play? I, I know that the entrepreneurs that I work with, so many of them will say that they don't take time off, which you did um, regularly with us, and, and they don't take time for themselves for play. And I remember from my very early years, you going twice a week to play golf, and you certainly had lots of chores you could be doing instead. So how did you make that decision for yourself that you're, you were going to dedicate that time to do something fun that you enjoyed with friends twice a week? Well, I guess I figured it out that I could go golfing at 9 o'clock and be back at 3, and that way the chores got done. And if there was hay to be done or silage, well, I didn't golf those days, but it wasn't very often that we didn't. It was just a set schedule. And, uh, yeah, it's I enjoyed it, and I it just that's the way it was. And as far as your games are concerned, I know Mom went probably to more than I did because I wasn't always done milking on time. But we went to just about all the games we could. And, you know, as far as uh, basketball, I I took my mother to a, a basketball games all, all the time in Mount Vernon and even to, even to Tacoma when we had the state tournament there. Oh, that's and remember nice. that one time we went there and, and we were all standing by the door to get in? And Dad was gone then. It was just, just her. They about pushed her over to, to get, get in that door. It was so people wanted to get their seats. <laughs> but we were that dedicated. And, yeah, that's... My folks took me to a couple places, and mm. you know, when we were kids, we went to Alberta, we went to Montana, and we always had fun along with work. That mm. was all part of it. That's great. So your work ethic always impressed me, and I know that you had us even as kids, which is a little bit different today, but I remember I was very young, probably 10 or 12 years old, that I was out picking strawberries, and you had all of us as kids. You expected us to work. You showed us what a work ethic looked like, and mom worked hard, and you worked hard. Where, where do you think that came from? Did, did, were you born with that work ethic? You always, I always saw you as such a hard worker. We grew up with it. Mm. You know, our parents had to work. You know, and when they worked, they worked. And uh, mom taught school for 37 years. And so she mixed housework with school. Mm -hmm. And and I guess I, I just work ethic. Yeah. In those days, everybody worked. Mm. Uh, we picked berries when you were old enough to pick berries. And, and, and <laughs> yes, I, we they, did. You start about, I don't know what, what grade they were, but eight, eight, nine years old. And I never was any good at it. <laughs> so I picked one year at, at Tromps, and then the next year I went went to Pierce. Gershom Pierce was another grower up there with the Linden Door Company is now. And mm -hmm. I remember picking there and got fired because I was taking strawberries to the to the creek to put on my bread for, oh, for sandwiches. Of course, that was just an excuse to get me out of there. It wasn't any good. <laughs> but the first year I picked strawberries, I made $12.75, and I bought a used bike. Oh. That, that was it. I remember oh. that. Good for you. But other than that, yeah, when you kids were ready to go, it was it was just it was just natural. Mm -hmm. Kids go to work, right? And it probably should still be that way. Yes. Now well, kids don't have anything to do. Yeah. You know, they're not old enough to work at McDonald's, and they're not old enough to. So what do they do? Right. 
No, I know there was definitely some benefit to having the ability to go out and work young. And I actually liked picking strawberries until we'd get up in the morning, it was pouring down rain because I actually was pretty good at, I liked going on the bus and then playing with my friends, looking forward to seeing them on, on the, in the fields. But then I remember one morning it was pouring down rain and I said to mom, I don't want to go pick strawberries. And she said, well, you're going to pick strawberries, rain or shine, if the if the fields are open. And she gave me this really um, interesting rain wear that I had to wear. And I wore it, and out I went and crawled around in that mud. Yeah. And yeah. you told us that we were going to stay to what we were committed to, and we were going to work, rain or shine. Unfortunately, there was no strawberry pickers, and there still isn't. It's still done by hand. Right. Raspberries went to machinery, and beans kind of disappeared. Yeah. So blueberries, that all went to machinery. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So what do you do when you're looking for something to do when you're a kid nowadays? It's You wait till you're old enough to go to McDonald's if you want to work there. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's an older age now for but sure. I don't, and I, didn't, I don't remember you, guys, you kids ever balking at, you know, I, I know he didn't like to go and it rained and neither, <laughs> neither did I, but then, yeah. uh, it was just natural. Mm, Where well, I got that from is probably just from my parents. Yes. And I'm sure mom did too, because her parents were the same situation. They right, right. struggled and worked. And yeah. in fact, your dad worked all the time. Mm. And yeah. then I, I think that I would answer that the same way as people would ask me, you just have such a strong work ethic. Where did you get that from? And I would say the same thing is that we were taught that as kids, we were shown that by example. And then, and that's how we grew up. And then hopefully have done the same with our kids. And I think it's whether you have plenty or whether you're in want. I mean, having that work ethic. And I remember one thing you always said to me and mom too, was whatever you do, give a hundred percent. You just, you just do your best yeah. um, at whatever you do. And I think we learned that as well. Well, that's, that's the real important thing. Do your best in anything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when I think about you as a business owner, I mean, for some, that's a really heavy burden. For others, that provides freedom. A lot of times the grass looks greener. What would you say that you liked or loved about being an entrepreneur, being a business owner? Well, you're, you're free to do what you want to do. That was the biggest thing. Mm, yes. But there were things you had to do, and you did them. And like I say, you, you went away when you could. And, mm -hmm. My my dairy days, if I wanted to go away for a week, I always had my good brother-in-law, Art, to milk cows for me because <laughs> he liked small herds and he liked the extra money. Yes. So we always had milkers and we, we did go away quite a bit. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And then can you think of a challenge? I mean, certainly there are many challenges, business owners, that, that we face. And it's not all roses for sure you get the freedom but you also run into hard things where it's on your shoulders to fix it you're providing for your family you can't just leave work at the end of the day and let somebody else take care of it it's your responsibility can you think of a challenge that happened in your i'm sure you have several but uh, can you think of one in particular and then how you overcame that um one time my irrigation system broke in the middle of July mm. and we had to have water. That's all we kept our farm going. And my my folks never borrowed money and I never did either. And at that particular juncture, I didn't have any cash to buy a new motor for the irrigation system. And I'll never forget that. I w went into the, to the store and okay, I bought one. I said, I don't want this on, on a time, on, on a time payment thing. Mm -hmm. I'll pay it next month. 
I'll never forget it. The next month I got a bill, he sent me over to the bank and I was really frustrated. Mm. And I told him what I thought about it because I paid it off the next month. And he said, well, how do you expect us to make any money? Oh, so, so they were, wanted you to do a long-term loan. Yeah, and, right. And you said and I, I you're just going to borrow for a month. Okay. And so the other the other big thing with loaning was when we bought our last new car, which was way back in 2005, they told me not to pay for it all. I never heard this before. Because if you have a an accident, you know, the first year, your car depreciates when it's out, when it's out of the dealership. Okay. And if you have a loan on it, it doesn't do that. Mm. Oh, I thought, well, that made a little bit of sense. So we took a loan on the car for the first year and mm -hmm. paid that off. And that, that's the only money I think we ever borrowed. And, uh, yeah, mm. other things. Oh, we had to make a decision whether I wanted to, whether I wanted to expand my dairy operation. And I talked to the boys about it, and neither one was interested, which... It makes me happy this day. Yes. Because I know a lot of my friends, they spend a pile of money and put in a new system, and then the, five years later, the boys left left that. Mm. They, they left it because their friends were all you know, doing something. They were a five to five work, and they weren't going to get stuck with that 24-7. Sure. sure. But I never did have to make that decision. Mm. Um, I think some of the decisions we had to make, uh, like when we sold the house at, on, on 19th Street, uh, yeah, I can't complain because I got exactly what I asked for it with the exact money and the way I wanted it. It all came out that way, so it happened. I know two days later was, I mean, two years later it was worth more, but right. you know, no regrets. You don't go back and kick yourself. You mm -hmm. just say, well, that's what I did and mm -hmm. that's what happened. Yeah. And that was a big decision we had to make there. And then what about when tough things would happen? I mean, there's certainly hard things that happened personally uh, when you had to make decisions um, in your personal life. And I know there's been health challenges, especially with mom, and that had to have been a, a burden and concern. I remember when we were worried about um, her health and what was going to happen with that. How did you carry that burden? Well, you put it in the Lord's hands to start with, and you, and you just roll with the punches, you know, mm -hmm. whatever happens, happens. And it turned out pretty good. It turned out really well. Yes, uh, but it sure did. Yeah, health health wise, you know, my own health was pretty good until I got to be ninety. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you've had a long, healthy life for sure. Uh, yeah, and that that leads me to it's a, a great question I was going to ask you: is you always have been so dedicated and disciplined to taking care of yourself? And I remember when I was. A little girl that I would walk into your bedroom in the mornings and see you doing either push-ups or sit-ups on the floor of your room. How, how did that start for you that you got disciplined to wanting to do things to take care of your health? Well, I think it all started back in high school when I was playing basketball. Okay. You, you took care of yourself. You didn't go out and smoke or drink and you just, you just disciplined yourself to, to stay healthy. And mm. I just, I don't know why, but I did a lot. I had a lot of that activity with basketball and Yes. Of course, the Army helps that, too. They, I was going to say, when you went into the military, they probably when they, helped you be disciplined. Oh, of course. When they, <laughs> they said, you get up at 5 o'clock, you're up at 5 o'clock. <laughs> if they tell you your your uh, floor's got gravel on it, you clean it up, whether it's there or not. Okay. <laughs> if they tell you your rifle is dirty and you have to stay on campus on, 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 the, on the base for the weekend, even though it wasn't, you still stay there. Yeah, yeah. So, but another thing the army teaches is if you do something, you do it right and you do it the way it's supposed to be done. Mm. 
And I think that might be a lot of that kind of discipline I had. Sure. Instilled that. Well, you already had some of it, and then probably that instilled it further, yeah, I would that. imagine. Yeah, that's good. Like, think of my dad. My dad, he could, you know, he could be, he could be dis a disciplinarian, but he did it in a nice way. Mm. And I always thought of one thing now, when I would get unhappy with one of you kids, and maybe mom remembers this, I'd, I'd say, well, what did I do at that age? Oh, that's great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so... You can't be you can't be too upset unless it's really bad. And mm -hmm. thankfully, it wasn't really bad, was it? <laughs> no. Home Hill one time, but yes, <laughs> yeah. But that wasn't bad. It, it wasn't bad. But we we stayed out and we were at a park someplace we shouldn't have been as long as we should after the park had closed. So we got in a little trouble and. And uh, yeah, you came and helped me out of that situation. And I, I, I remember feeling always, and I've always felt just very supported and very loved, even when you disciplined me. And I, I knew sometimes I was going to be in big trouble when I got home. And I, I got <laughs> in some trouble, and I didn't want to meet you at the door. And sometimes I met you at the door at night when I came home past my oh, curfew. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were pretty, pretty into that. My mother never woke up once. One time, the only time I ever beat, got to bed without her knowing when I got home. Oh, really? And uh, I had a tent outside under the clothesline, and Sid Vanderveen dropped me off. He never stopped the car, just went really slow, and I jumped out. <laughs> she never knew when I got home that night, and I don't think it was late either, but anyhow, oh. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Well, I don't remember ever being able to get home without having, if I was past curfew anyway, without having you at the door. So, and that didn't happen too often, but I don't think you ever slept on a, my watch. Maybe it was the bedroom door, <laughs> not the outside door. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. Oh, yeah. that's, yeah. that's No, true. for the most part, you kids were, mm. were quite easy to get along with in, in those respects. You never did a whole, well, that I know of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's, that's true. But I did things, too, that the folks never knew I did, which yeah. weren't, weren't that bad. But. Yeah. Well, you learn from those, right? You had yeah. to learn from yeah. those, yeah. Um, explore a little bit, and you learn, and hopefully when you make mistakes, you don't do them again. Well, you, well, you certainly have been so servant-hearted, and all while growing up and even as an adult, you, you've always done things to help others. You've been uh, volunteering in church and school yeah. and the paper baler and all the things that you did. What, what made you want to do that? I mean, to, I mean, you really, you were a leader. I mean, you were an elder in church and it, what made you want to do that when you certainly had a very full plate and you could have said, I don't have time to do these things in the community. I, I've got a, a busy work and family and what made you do that? I don't know if there's any particular thing. It was just a thing to do. It was people did it. Mm. Most people were involved with that kind of stuff. There's one thing I've always regretted, and I never had an opportunity, is to go out, like, build, like, have Habitat for Humanity yes. or Renew. Yes. We never, it just didn't work out for us health-wise. Mm -hmm. uh, so I never did get to do that. But, yeah, I did a lot of the local stuff with paper bailing and stuff. I, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. That's good. Just like the golf game is between milking, see? Yeah, you fit it in. Well, and uh, we talked about the other day, you were able to tell the, me the story, which was fun to hear about when you adopted me. Oh. And uh, how did you come to that decision to, to go to do adoption? I mean, that seems, especially years ago, like a really big deal. Well, we had, we had friends that had done it. Uh, the Hudinks and the Neuendorps. Okay. And we filled silo with them every year. 
we thought, you know, maybe that's the way to go. So we looked into it and it sounded good. So uh, that's what we did. And uh, yeah, we did it twice and we haven't regretted it really. I, you know, I will say with in Julie's situation, it was really nice to have her here for those six weeks mm -hmm. now. But we, you know, you kind of lose contact. Sure. And I thought we, you know, you did too. We 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 got to know them people better, and and uh, so there's where a health situation brought a healing. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that true? And I think that you've you've done an amazing job, and I think it's it's really hard. And most families that you talk to will have family members that they're estranged from and yeah. they don't have the conversations. And yet, no matter where we were as kids, I know that I can say in talking to my siblings that all of us have always felt very loved and supported by you guys. And what is that secret, if you will? Because here we had just our family reunion this just this last year. And every three years we get together with all of us. I think we had 45 of us together. Yeah. Um, how how have you done that over these years that you've got this legacy of children, grandchildren, and great grandchildren that? Well, I've had I've, had I've had some family members that really took it took the initiative and set it up, which I probably wouldn't be able to do, <clears throat> but uh, that helped a lot. And I think in most cases they, they all they all loved it. Yes. You know, we've had a couple that didn't show up the last time, but there's when you get. 30-some years old, other things come into play. Right, that's true. Yeah. That's true. So family has always been a first priority. Family has you. always been first priority, and I, I always felt that that was my my first priority was raise my family, or both of us, to raise our family right. Mm -hmm. and not, that the, not, not that you kids all did what we did, right. but fortunately I can... My mother was that way too, you know, and... It was things were a lot stricter in those days, but she always had another little bit broader outlook, and mm. like I do now too. I still do. I still like my church, but other churches are fine too. Yes, and uh, it it some people can't can't do that, mm -hmm. and I think we've always been kind of that way, you know. Right. Yeah, we appreciate that. I think that's been just a huge thing that you've respected, loved, and also respected your kids' choices. As well, we've gotten older, and I, I really, it was amazing getting everybody together. So, how many grandchildren and great grandchildren do you have now? Do you remember? <laughs> You've got a lot of them. Uh, isn't it fifteen and eighteen? Oh wow! Sixteen, sixteen and eighteen, sixteen grand and eighteen great grandchildren. Eight, eighteen great. Wow! Not one more on the way. That's awesome. That we know of. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's an incredible legacy, Dad. Very special. So what do you want to be known for? You talked about family as a first priority. That's a wonderful thing. What when you think about what you want to be known for, what's been important in your life? Just to uh live a life that people can look at and say, No, there goes a man that you know, tried to stay by the by the rules and and tried to be tried to provide for the family and provide for friends and and the community where you can see that you're, you're you're part of the community and you're not doing it all for yourself. Mm, I don't know if beautiful. that's a good answer, but I think it's a beautiful answer and and you've created a legacy by doing that and have so many people that you have blessed over the years. You and mom both, everything that you've done. 
So if you were to be able to go back to say your 40 year old self, is there any advice you would give to your 40 year old self that maybe you know now you've gained the wisdom, but you wish that you would have known then, or that you would tell to other 40 year old entrepreneurs or your you know, kids and grandkids? You gotta remember that's 50 years ago. <laughs> 40 year old, oh boy. Or as a younger entrepreneur, I guess you'd say. Well, some, somewhere in there came the, <clears throat> the thought of expanding the farm. Oh, there's one, th one, th one thing in there that I guess I was about 40, which I have always regretted. We had 55 acres, and there's a 10-acre piece of property came available across the road, you know, where, mm -hmm. where Crafties were. Right. And Don, you got first chance at it. What do I want more land for? Now, that's, that's one big mistake I made. Mm. I should have bought that because, you know, I think it was $3,000 or who knows. What oh, wow. <laughs> and that had to be back when I was 40. Oh. But I, I was always scared of debt. So maybe being less debt adverse, you would give yourself that recommendation, that be a little yeah. bit bolder? One of my good friends told me I had to mortgage everything and build everything new. And I'm glad I never took that advice. Mm. That worked for some people, but... Well, you've always been a saver, and that's something that I've appreciated. You've taught me, and I know in, in my own business, I also didn't go into heavy debt, and I was very much always watching that I didn't get myself over-leveraged. And I believe that that came from you, and just watching how you made sure that you had the money most of the time before you did something. And talk to me about the importance of saving and really just set an example of the importance of you gave, you tithed, you gave to others, and then you saved so that you made sure you had enough. Where did that come from and why, why was that important? Well, it starts, starts with parents. Okay. Uh, you just carry on from, <clears throat> from there, I guess. So they set a good example for you of, of that. Yeah, they they were not they were not rich people except they decided to put strawberries in one year. We had two good years of strawberries. And that he bought a new dad bought a new car, and as we we got married, and moved out to the farm, and they bought a house in town. And mm. I don't think they yeah, it, it was pretty good for them. So nice. Okay. Well, I have one last question, Grandma. I don't know if you have anything else that you can think of. We haven't asked, but. Um, Dad, I certainly have to ask you, um, in a day and age where marriages really struggle, many, many end up in divorce, and you have had a loving marriage for many, many years, 65 years now? Eight. 68 years of marriage, and that is an unbelievable and just a beautiful thing. And I've, I've seen how much you care and love mom. How how have you how have you kept a marriage together for that many years? What well, words of advice would you give to to your children, your grandchildren? It's a two way street. You know, okay. it's got to be both of us, and of course, we never had an argument. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a two way street. Yeah. Somehow we put it all together okay. with with the Lord's help and mm. and with the kids' help too. They were. You know, if he's, they come in for suggestions, I I tried to stay out of their business, all of them. I tried to stay out as all as much as I could. Mm -hmm. 
And yet, if they ask a question, I try to try to help them. But, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you did. For I sure. just felt it was their business, and I, I still feel that way. Mm-hmm. So, is a two-way street for keeping a marriage together that it takes two? Oh yeah. What else? is important in a well, marriage. Yeah, but you got to have a commitment to your church and to your Lord. Mm. And we both have to be on the same page there. Yeah, same page with your values. Uh, not that we do every, not that we do everything right. Right. But you try to stay on the on the right path. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Well, anything that I I haven't asked that would be a word of wisdom that that you would give to those listening and especially the, with the legacy you've created to your great-grandchildren as they grow up, what, what would you tell them? What, is, what should they do in their path of life? What's important? Well, they have to make up their mind what they want to do in life, and then when they, when they, when they decide what to do, well, then do it with 100% um, knowledge that this is what I want. And, and if, you don't, if things aren't working out, well, then by all means, you're young enough, you can change. Okay. And uh, it isn't, you always, a lot of people don't get into something right away. They, you know, it isn't for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Dad, thank you for taking this time. This has been fun just to hear from you and your words of wisdom. And in your, your 91 years, you've, you've grown and, and you've given your wisdom. You've shared your wisdom and, and a legacy. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Leadership Podcast, where you will learn how to transform your leadership, crush your goals, and love your life. Each episode, I will teach you something to take your life and leadership to the next level. Then at the end, I will challenge you to take action on what you have learned. If you're enjoying this podcast, will you please take a moment to leave a positive review? This helps get the message out to impact as many people as possible. And please subscribe to this podcast. That way the episodes will drop each time a new one comes out. Remember, when you grow as a leader, your team will grow and your company will grow. You can transform your leadership, crush your goals, and love your life. Hello, my friend. Welcome to the Intentional Leadership Podcast. This podcast will help you break through the barriers holding you back from the true life of significance you are meant to live. I'm your host, Janelle Ruland, and I invite you to join me each month as I share leadership lessons and specific strategies to transform your leadership, crush your goals, and love your life. As a high-achieving entrepreneur, there was a time when I was overwhelmed doing all the things, and I found myself overworked and overcommitted. Through the power of intention, I learned how to shift my mindset and create success habits to achieve a healthy work-life balance and true joy in my life. Now I am here to help you do the same. Don't just be the CEO of your business, be the CEO of your life. Let's get started. Thank you for joining the Intentional Leadership Podcast. Each episode, I teach you to take something in your life and leadership to the next level. Then at the end, I will challenge you to take action on what you have learned. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to leave a positive review. This helps get the message out to impact as many people as possible. And I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way the episodes will drop each time a new one comes out. Remember, when you grow as a leader, your team will grow and your company will grow. You can transform your leadership, crush your goals, and love your life.